0: come on somebody. So as you give to the Lord with your tithes and offerings, I want to invite uh, my wife. Where's my beautiful wife? Oh, she's blowing her nose. Everybody look at her quick. Oh, that's so messed up. I'm sorry. That's wrong. You know how much I love you. Have I ever told you Rochelle, you're like a terrorist because you hold my heart hostage. Come on, somebody. Did you like that? I made that up yesterday. I'm straightening these chairs. Come on. Um, In just a moment, Pastor Shane and Rochelle are going to join me. We're going to do like a little interview this morning. How many are down for that? And we're going to ask Rochelle why in the world she married me? She must be out of her mind. No, that's not what we're going to ask her. (laughs) Um, We're just so blessed to have you this morning. This morning we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about our our giving as part of the body. We're called to do uh, we're called to do our part. How many know we're individual members of one body? And Ephesians four sixteen talks about us doing our part and that the whole body needs to do its part. We do our part by serving. We do our part by uh, ministering to people. We do our part by you know the fivefold ministry: the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Raises up. the the body, and edifies the body, equips the body. And so everyone has to do their part. We have so many different ministry gifts, and they should all be functioning together. And, And some of our part, and actually it's a very important part, is giving. Giving of our time, serving, but giving of our finances. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. This is like a taboo subject that most pastors don't like to preach on unless they're, you know, like, you know, they take long offerings and stuff like that. Um, I think it's really important that we understand the biblical value of giving and and what it means in our hearts. And so I have some questions for my wife and Pastor Shane, um, which the questions I think are down here. Do you have them? Let me go get them. And so how many are okay with that? Are you ready? We don't want to keep you too long um, because we did go quite a while in worship. uh, But how many enjoyed that time? That was awesome. Come on. So Ephesians 4.16 in the New Living Translation says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Remember we've been talking about how God fitly frames us together. And we're living stones. And the reason He fits us together is so we can be a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. And there's something about the body uh, rising to perfection, to to look like Jesus, the body being beautiful, to look like Jesus and and edified in love. And here's why. Because when the world sees a whole body of Christ, they will come to Jesus. There's something about, and I'm probably going to be teaching this stuff next week or during the, oh, by the way, who is registered for the worship conference? Raise your hand. If you haven't, it's this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You need to register. Brian Johnson from Bethel Church is going to be here. How many know who he is? Come on, somebody. All right, you guys really honor him a lot, I see. How many know who Brian Johnson is? Okay. Do you know how blessed we are to have him here? I mean, it's a big deal. This guy raised up all the Jesus culture worship leaders and stuff like that. How many know who Jesus culture is? Okay, well, this is like their worship pastor. Okay. He's the one who got Kim Walker involved in worship. And uh, and so he's going to be here. Brian and Ramey Whalen, Ray Hughes' daughter and son-in-law. Mike Lighty from ICLV, which is a church across town. He's going to be here. Good friend of ours. We love him. Go to encountermusic.net. Our own Glenda is going to be teaching dance. Doug's going to be doing social media. I will be there. So just, you know, if you like me at all, you can show up maybe. Um, so it's $75 encounter music.net come. It's going to be powerful. This is our very first one. So we are excited. Um, I had to announce that because I forgot. So as we grow together, we become this beautiful body that the world sees and they say, that's Jesus. Remember when Jesus said, this is how they're going to know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. Because that's one of the expressions of the heart of God, because God is love. You know, there's a lot of scripture. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to some scholars here that know about the scriptures that talk about the, the uh, repair of the tabernacle of David. How many have ever heard that verse? And there's this verse in the Bible in Amos 9, and then it's quoted in Acts, and it says that God will repair the tabernacle of David so the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Now, I think that there's lots of expressions of that. We have like 24-7 prayer and different expressions. But one of the expressions is the body actually being one. Do you know that Jesus in John 17, 21, how many would think that if Jesus prayed for you and I in this room, that it would be important whatever he prayed? Do you know that he did pray for you? And the record that we have in the Bible, the prayer that he actually prayed for you, look at the person next to you say, Jesus prayed for you. Now, he ever lives in heaven and prays for you, but he prayed for you on the earth while he was here, and he said, Father, I pray that would be one so that the world may believe. He prayed that we'd be one. Now, what would happen if we got this whole thing with giving, like with giving our hearts, but also giving our finances and our, the first fruits, the tithe, the offering, but, but out of no limitations that God can use his bride. I heard a, I heard a statistic or I mean a, a study. They said that if Christians tithe, that we could actually have enough resources to solve world hunger. If every believer tied, because worldwide, the church only small percentage of the church ties 10%. So we're going to talk about giving and I have some questions and I want you guys to answer, um, from your heart, from your experience, from, from what God has shown you from revelation. And uh, the first question I have, because a lot of people may, may not realize this, that anything that your heart is connected to matters to God. Anything first commandment. He's a jealous God. Anything that your heart is pointed at or values is important to God. And if it's money, it's important to God because we live in a, a system where we use monetary value and we have, I mean, it's just, we need it. And, and so we're going to talk about this. So the first question I have, um, and Pastor Shane, why don't you open it up? Does money matter to a Christian? Does it matter the subject of finances in a Christian's life?
1: Uh, Well, the short answer, and we'll elaborate a little bit, but is if it doesn't, it should, because it matters to God. I said this last service, but I'll start with this. Um, Does everybody in the room believe in the concept of faith? Uh, We believe that according to the Word, uh, it says anything not of faith is sin, right? So faith is fairly important. Faith is the thing that brought Jesus himself back to our planet. Yet, there's only about 400, roughly, verses that have to do with faith in the Word. Finances, and things associated with finances, over 2,300 verses. Six times as much. That speaks to the fact that it is extraordinarily important to the Lord, because He understands that where finances is, or things that represent finances, whether they, you know, whatever time you live in, if they were crops or harvest or whatever, are tied really to our heart. And there's been a really uh, misperceived, miscommunicated thing in our culture, I think probably worldwide, certainly, and and in America over generations, and that is somehow that we are more spiritual when we're poor. It's in the movies. There's whole areas of religious, you know, Catholicism in certain places and various places that... They devote their lives and they take a vow of poverty. And somehow that makes you more spiritual. And that, the converse is true. If you have a lot of money and finances, you somehow are not spiritual. And that is a lie that the enemy has ever, successfully perpetrated to keep God's people out of power. It's no different than, uh, how many, uh, some of you may be familiar with like a lot of the holiness and apostolic stuff during the, you know, mid 1900s and so on. And, uh, you know, women dresses down to their ankles and up to their necks and no makeup. You know why that is? Cause men had a problem with lust. So instead of fixing their heart, they tried to correct it in the woman. And so instead of make your heart right around finances, let's say it's all holy to be poor.
0: That's a good word. You know, it, it's interesting in church history, you see that the church, and, and it's always about us being good stewards. I mean, all throughout the scripture, the whole thing's about stewardship, stewarding the earth from the very earth. But if you study church history, um, there there came different, like in the monastic movement, the second, not the early, in the Middle Ages, where they would literally, they thought that you're more spiritual if you're poor and because they didn't want to be tempted with greed because they saw what happens when the church misuses it. So there's this cycle, and it, it's happened in the last 100 years. You see through the prosperity movement and, and the gospel, and how many know that we're all going to be held accountable for what we do with what God gives us, every single one of us in this room? Um, but being poor does not mean that we're more spiritual. As a matter of fact, I mean, it might be for one person to to sell everything, like, you know, St. Francis of Assisi, just sell, I'm going to sell everything. But the problem with what, there was a lot of things God did through through that movement, through St. Francis, but people started modeling it thinking that was the only way to go, and it went the wrong direction. And so when the Lord speaks to you to give everything, it doesn't mean that you're going to be that way the rest of your life. And so when God tells us to give or or you know that thought process, thinking if I'm wealthy, I'm, 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 am a sinner. You know. I
1: want to check with Abraham. He was pretty wealthy. Oh man, Solomon. I mean,
0: if you research, so the thing is, is it's and and many of you have heard this. It's not if you have money. It's if money has you. It's what is connected and bound to your heart. And if God can entrust you with riches to be a blessing to the nations, but that that needs to be broken though. It definitely needs to be broken over over our mindsets. Um second question are tithes and offerings for today. Rochelle, why don't you start that and then if you want to join in, Rochelle or Shane? By the way, you're so beautiful.
2: Thanks, honey. Um a lot of people look at the word tithe and they they look they said that's an old testament principle. And um I don't have to give ten percent. And um I like to put it in this perspective. How many know the Ten Commandments? Is that an old testament principle? It's not in the New Testament. It's under the law, quote unquote. Does that mean I, it's okay I go kill somebody? Or I go rob from somebody? In the same way I don't throw away the whole Old Testament because I live in a new covenant, that I will still tithe. It is still for today. The principle of tithing is such a value that we need today. So I'm not going to discount the entire Old Testament because I live in a new covenant. Now I'm not super scholared in, in, you know, in the Bible. And I can't tell you, you know, the order of Melchizedek and there's only, yes, I heard some preachers say that there's only, um, two chapters that tithing misses the new Testament or something like that. I don't even remember. Like it, the, the, the tithing scripture in Malachi is only two chapters away from the new Testament. Somebody said that one time they were preaching a message. It's like, I'm not going to discount it cause it didn't make it by two chapters, but I'm not going to discount it just because it's in the old Testament because just, because it's this, this, the value and the principle that God set up with his people is a value and a principle I take for my life and account today.
0: By the way, Jesus said, when you tithe to the Pharisees. And there's a lot of New Testament principle of giving. Paul talks about it. Um, but w- Pastor Shane, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, that argument of, I don't tithe because I'm not under the law. And I like what you shared because Robert Moore says, if it was good under the law, does it mean it's bad under grace? Mm. In other words, how much more can God bless it under grace? That I don't have to live from a do and don't perspective. Now I live in grace empowerment where I can say no to sin. Yeah. So the first commandment, that's why I have no other gods. I can love Him with all my heart, my soul, my mind, strength. Now, Jesus said, what sums up the law and the prophets, love God with everything, love your neighbor. And then he told us to go make disciples. But that's all part of, that's all part of the new covenant. Yeah. So how, Pastor Shane, would you communicate to someone who just says, well, it's law and it's not part of the,
1: the new covenant? Sure, I think that uh, that's been one of the arguments, unfortunately. And and the part that saddens me, that you even have to bring that up, that people have argued for a reason not to tithe. That's right. Really? Uh, that's a whole other matter. That that's, there's, there's a heart problem there. But that that's another issue. Because really the tithe is a springboard point. Yeah. That should be the beginning. The tithe springs you into the pool. Once you're in the pool, it gets a lot more fun. But... Um, The law encompassed a very specific period of time. Tithe was actually first recorded uh, with Abraham, who was hundreds of years before the law was instituted. And uh, Abraham had just come back from battle, been victorious uh, over over several other kings, which is, you know, that's just the root word of that is, is rulers in the area. Basically, he came and he had a bunch of spoils. He's visited by... One that we know uh, referred to as Melchizedek. There's many scholars that refer to and show that this Melchizedek is or was in that time uh, was Jesus. That was a pre-incarnate, you know, before Christ came to us in the flesh. Um, Hebrews are extremely, um, they place a lot of importance on genealogy. Who gave birth to who, gave birth to who, and so on and so on. Uh, there is no record of Melchizedek for any genealogy either before or after, which also suggests that he was a being that had no beginning and no end. That's just one of the theological looks at that. So the point being, though, is that Abraham comes back from battle. He's visited by this one that we believe to be the Lord based upon study. And in that interaction, it says that he gives a tithe or a tenth of all that he had to him. As honor to this one who came and brought blessing with him. And it's interesting that Melchizedek came to bless Abraham and Abraham gave to him. So uh, that's also referred to in the New Testament in Hebrews, I think, chapter 7. So there's New Testament reference and there's pre-law reference and it's also in the law as well. But this is a principle that is transcendent of any law. It is the heart of God from the beginning of our time as we know it. It's... The top ten percent. Do we need to define that? Do you want to define that? Um, there's sometimes there's a little confusion about that when we talk about the tithe. Uh, how many actually get a paycheck? you 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 know that where taxes are taken out and all of that stuff that you see from a particular employer, and you notice that you know you make a thousand bucks, well your check's only like you know eight ninety because all this stuff came out. Well the tithe is based off the first fruit. That first fruit is the thousand bucks. It's not the 890. Because if you tithe off of what's left over, what you've said in effect is all those people who took that portion out first, the government and so on, is more important than you. So I'll give to them and I'll tithe off of what's left over. Because after all, I don't see that. Well, God's more important than any man government to me. So I will tithe off of that top portion. That's the first fruit. And that's where the tithe begins.
0: That's good. Did you have anything you want to add, Rochelle? So tithing is for today's believer. Yes. Now, real quick, I want to talk about the benefits of giving. And, uh, and I would like to share a little bit about the three different types of blessing that we see in the Bible. Um, but let me, let me ask you this question. Where do we tithe to? As a Christian, if we believe in giving, okay, and, and we're not legalistic about it. Like, you know, some people preach from the pulpit in, in Malachi 3, you're cursed with a curse if you don't give. And we don't believe that. We don't believe that you're cursed. We believe that you'll miss a blessing. Well, you, but it doesn't mean that you're literally cursed. Here's and the I think benefit, it's important to talk yes, about
1: that. There's a benefit that we need to understand. Everybody's probably familiar in this room or at least heard that Jesus said, he said, I came to fulfill the law, right? Well, we look at that verse. Here's the beauty of that if you unpack that. And we don't really have time to teach on it all. But really what the Lord is saying in, in that encapsulated statement is this. Everything that I've ever said to you guys from the beginning of your creation to now that was a blessing, you get. And everything that was a consequence and a curse, I bear the weight of that. And I fill in the gaps and I make it all smooth. So you get all of that good stuff. So you reap the rewards of all that I want for you, and I will bear the curse for you in this moment in time.
0: That's good. That's good. good. So where do we tithe to? What does the Bible talk about in that area?
2: Um, the Bible talks about you tithe to the storehouse. So you would, you tithe to the place where you're, um, where you're getting fed the place where you're, it's your family, the place where you gather and worship. Um, and then there's offering that you give that's above and beyond. Who feeds you?
0: Do I cook for you? Sometimes. So you need to tithe to me then. Sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs)
2: Um, so like, like, Zach and I, we tithe to our church. This is our home. This is our church. And we give above and beyond that. We give money to Harold Eberly because we know that his ministry is, is going to the nations and people are getting impacted. And we give to people like Larry Titus because he's a father and he mentors. And so above and beyond our, our 10%, we, we give to places where we see fruit in the ministry, but our first fruit is in our home. And I like how Shane put it for service.
1: I think this is a really good analogy. It it helps it clear it up for me. Has anybody in this room ever invited someone over to your home for dinner? Yeah? Yeah? Now, typically in your home, you cook for your family and provide for your family. Usually it's your family sitting around the table, as it were, right? But you invite someone over, and they eat with you and partake of that. They will leave, and they will go back home. Do you send them food every night because you fed them one time? Nope. You prepare for your family. This is family. This is home. This is where your preparation comes. Every now and then we have people in. We have things. We give a little bit to them. It's the same principle. You know, you you see someone in the street who needs something. You run into somebody. I mean, I, I happened to be at the gas pumps the other day, and some guy he came out, and you know, you could tell he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't bum or anything. And I, and he's like, man. I, I goes, I just put money in, and I realized I'm. I gave him five bucks. Cause he's short that the Lord looks at that as an offering. Yeah, that's right. That's above and beyond my tithe. That's just out of my heart. It's an offering. Hey, enjoy it. That's the kind of stuff. So, so it's real important to distinguish between the two. The tithe is really geared for the mechanics of the house. Make sure everybody's taken care of. That's good.
0: That's good. Um, I love that analogy, except when we go to pastor Alex and Dana's and they make us food, I think you should send us food throughout the week. <laughs> Meatballs and pasta every night. Isn't that, that's a good word. He would not mind. I think that's that's from the Lord and
2: kept feeding him and he would not mind that. You know, it's been a
0: while. We haven't been over in a while. Been out of town on vacation. Let's set a date. Go ahead. You guys text or something. (laughs) Um, how many were here for our vision dinner and got to partake of some of Dana's meatballs and pasta? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Um, I love food. If you can't tell. What are some of the benefits of giving is, is my next question. But I'd like to share just for a moment. And I want to talk about, because this is this is key. Um, first service, some of you that might have been here heard that Pastor Shane's vision and goal is to live off 10% and give 90%. Can you imagine what we could do? We were just up in uh, Washington at Harold's Conference. And there's a pastor, an apostle from Pakistan <clears throat> And he does crusades over there, and Harold does crusades with them. It costs $4,000 to put on a crusade. Tens of thousands of people show up, and there's, they had one where there was 14,000 decisions for Christ wow. for $4,000. Come on. Can you imagine as a church if every month we could do that? Every month we had above and beyond, which right now we don't, but we will. And we could write, or for example, like we want to do a bus ministry. We want to pick up single moms with their kids in the, in the projects over here in Henderson that don't have a ride to church. We want to get some of the widows that don't have a way to get to the church. We want to bless families, get some more kids. How many could see us doing that and being effective in our community? So there's some benefits that we need to see as we give. Those are benefits because we're advancing the kingdom. But now there's three levels of blessing. Let me just break this down real quick. There is the the Adamic level of blessing, which means God put Adam in a garden. He says, you need to reap and sow. You need to sow and reap and cultivate the garden. Does anyone here have a job? And they punch in a time clock and they get paid hourly wages. That is the Adamic blessing. You work and you get paid. You work in a garden and you get a harvest. There is the Abrahamic covenant blessing, which is through the tithe, in the offering, before the law, through the tithe, there is a blessing. God said to Abraham, I'm making a covenant with you, and you will be a blessing to all the nations. You know that we are grafted into that blessing? The Bible says in Galatians that we are children of Abraham through faith in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? That That's cool that we can say Father Abraham, but it's also cool that we are actually partaking of that blessing that God wants to use everyday Christian to be a blessing to the nations. But as we partake of that covenant, that promise in that covenant, there is a multiplication that the Bible says in Malachi 3, you give the tithe, God opens the windows of heaven, he pours out a blessing that we don't have room and enough contain. But here's what I want to talk about, and I want to ask you this question, how we can do this, how we can step into this, because Pastor Shane has some visions about the church arising to a place where, can you imagine if we didn't have debt, and let's say that there's, a, there's a, a widow that needs a home. And how easy would it be to raise money for her and we could buy her a house in two months because nobody had debt? The early church was at that place where they laid everything at the apostles' feet. They sold land and everything and they laid, and they had enough money in the Christian community to give to those that weren't in need. Now, there's a Adamic blessing, there's the Abrahamic, but then there's the kingdom blessing where here's what I believe. I believe that as we unify, not uniformity and just give, but unify our hearts for the purpose of, all right, Lord, everything's yours and we're giving to you, that God can take that blessing. The Bible says in Psalm 133, where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Can you imagine if our giving was in such a, a unity that he commanded a blessing and he exponentially multiplies it far beyond that we can imagine where we could we could write a check and build an orphanage, or we need a bus, no problem, somebody needs, you know, something within our body, and obviously, here's what plays into that, is stewardship, like, you know, some people, I need my power bill paid for, well, let's look at your budget, because you might not be stewarding what you have, but if we're at a place where we could do that, like, you know, benevolence, the widows, the orphans, we've got to arise as the body, as one, and give, and to see some of those things take place, amen, so what can we do practically? There's some benefits to giving, but that's not why we give. What are some of the practical steps to obedience, um, you know, budget, breaking wrong mindsets, uh, you know, starting, just start tithing. I mean, you know, what what can we do? Let's start with you, Pastor Shane, and then Rashad, I'd like you to share your heart.
1: I think that, the first place we have to go is, is you know, there's a, there a preacher, he's still alive, really great guy. He made a statement once. He said, you know, you can't believe God for a new house when you can't believe him for a pair of socks. There's a place where we start to exercise our faith. And a lot of us have these knots in our heart as it relates to finances. And we tend to, you know, tense up or kind of you can tell, you know, you you can tell when people start to talk about finances and you feel the atmosphere change and everybody goes, "Mm -hmm." and the fact is, is that's the first practical step that needs to change. So if your heart is in that place, then in the moment you need to force yourself to give what's going to happen is you're going to begin to chip away at some of that in your heart and little by little the holy spirit will begin to massage that and work that in and your heart will begin to open up and become more transparent because you cannot it is impossible to be mature spiritual man or woman of god and not have a right heart towards giving and finances it is not possible it's like a flat sided wheel You roll around and it stops. And then you push really hard and you get some momentum and it'll roll around again and things will go good in your life and it stops. And your whole life, imagine trying to drive a car with four flat-sided tires. You might get somewhere, but it's not going to be comfortable and it will take a long time. So the fact is, is it's got to start with giving. And then it's got to be followed with, and I'll be, I didn't say this first service, but very blunt. It has to be and must be followed, and there's tons of scripture relating to this living debt free. We bind ourselves willingly to the throes of the enemy and his plan when we enter into debt. There's a lot of scripture for it. I'll leave it at that. And there's
0: practical things, and I think we're going to put together some steps for the, the average person that works to budget. We can put something together, and we're going to have it out front, hopefully next week. Um, it may take a couple of weeks because we want it thorough. But where you can budget, and we want to help you. So if you need help, we'll have a phone number on there. You can call. It. Well, okay, we'll set a time to meet with you. How many would, would appreciate that? And just like literally, okay, I want to get out of debt. How do I do that? You know, Jesus said, beware of the leaven of Herod. You know, we did a, a study and Herod was kicked out of Rome for excessive debt. Yep. That's why he's so
1: hard on
0: Israel. And I don't think that we realize the the bond or the, the the captivity that debt can hold on the church. Like God is supernaturally blessing us with this building. And there's two and a half acres and a building that's, that's going to be finished hopefully by the end of the year. And we're getting it for whatever it takes to finish it, which may end up being... of what the property is going to be worth when it's done. I mean, God is good. And here's our goal. Let's pay that thing off and have no payment on it. And we can take care of our pastors. And we can have an overflow to give into missions. We can send more mission trip. We can do, by the way, we're going to do Mexico mission trip, right? Chris, Pastor Alex, come on somebody. 2013, who wants to go to Mexico with them next year? Raise up your hand. Come on, man. I'm excited about that. But we have, to, we have to break the spirit of poverty if it grips our mind. Why, does it, why is it uncomfortable for people when we talk about giving? Because it's an issue of the heart. Because people have abused it. It doesn't mean we run from it. People have abused abuse prophecy. We don't run from prophesy, prophecy. Just because there's error doesn't mean that it's bad. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You have to embrace the principles and the truth of Scripture And with a balance, you know, that's why sometimes people come against capitalism is because people get greedy. Well, compassionate capitalism would answer a lot of our problems in the earth right now. How many would agree with that? And I'm not trying to get political, but how many of you know that there's something about the seed time and harvest, that it's a principle in scripture that, I mean, we live in the land of opportunity. Everyone here has limitless potential to become a millionaire and fund kingdom activity throughout the earth. Doug Haynes will be a millionaire someday. I'm prophesying it right now because he has an entrepreneurial spirit on his life. Some of you also have that thing on your life, but we have to break the spirit of poverty and we have to be able to be trusted by God. Can God trust us with what he blesses us with? We learned the hard way. We weren't not in ministry. We ministered. We made lots of money and we lived way above our means. Then the economy changed and then we're left with nothing. That was fun, huh? (laughs) <laughs> what a learning experience. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm so content and I'm so blessed. And when I have more than I can give. And and even in that time, we were very giving. You know, there was a joke at work. Everyone would, we'd, we'd go to lunch, there'd be five or 10 of us. Oh, Zach's got it. I'd always buy lunch. Remember the joke? That was the joke. And some of the guys were like, hey, pay your own lunch. He pays every day for you. But we love giving. We love to give. But we also need to steward our finances and also make sure we're sowing into good soil. Amen. That's why we shared last week that, you know, if you have any questions about ministries that, that we bless, that we partner with in the community, you can ask us. You can go on the website. We're, we're in the process of making those changes. What what are the practical steps, Rochelle? I want to ask you, how do we break these mindsets? Some The, the spirit of mammon and, and the, you know, that spirit of poverty, how do we break some of those mindsets? Share from your heart, if you would.
2: For me, it's really personal and, and just practical, like a personal heart thing, um, for years and years and years of raising the church and you, you know, you go to church and you, you do worship and then you get to hear a 25 minute sermon on money. And I got so irritated and I got so burnt out from that. And is anybody with me? You just, you're just, you get tired of that kind of mentality and you're just like, you know, just being really honest about it. And so my heart got just, I was just like, this is dumb. This is not church. And, um, and I had to really allow God to deal with my heart. And, um, and he took me through this journey of realizing the reason he's concerned with it is because it's something that my heart is attached to. And if my heart is attached to it and I withhold from him, he can't pour it out more in me. He can't pour out more blessing in me. And, um, and so I realized everything I have is yours, God. It's it all belongs to you, and if my heart is in a place where I give it all to you anyway, I'm making myself. Uh, I'm giving myself an opportunity of, of of the heavens are open over me, and God is saying I can steward finances with you, and He pours out a blessing. Um, I like nice things and God likes that I like nice things and he doesn't think that I'm bad that I like nice things. He doesn't think that it's wrong that I want to have a nice car and a nice home and good things for my children. That's not a sin and it's not and it's not that God is not angry with me f- about that. He is saying, I want to make sure Rochelle that your heart It and that your heart won't be tied to it, and that your heart can steward it, and that you're blessed to be a blessing. We have these church phrases, and we don't really understand what comes behind it, but what does it mean to be blessed to be a blessing? I first have to be blessed. I can't be a blessing if I'm poor. Have you met anybody that's poor that blesses people financially? Never met them in my life. You have to be blessed be a blessing and God wants to bless his people and he wants our hearts to make sure that we're not tied to those things and our hearts make sure that we're not, we're, we're not concerned with those things. Um, and Robert Morris's book, the blessed life, he talked about our heart can, um, we can determine where our heart is by the way we respond to other people's blessing. How does my heart respond? Pastor Shane and Kami, can I brag on you guys for a minute? Is that okay. Me get a little personal. They just, got, they just bought a beautiful, beautiful home. They're very blessed. They have amazing jobs, and they're very, very blessed. They got a great deal. They too. got an amazing deal. What would you pay?
1: Well, we'll just say it this way. Um, just a few years ago, that house was about $270 a square foot, and we bought it for $71 a square foot.
2: Isn't that amazing? So they got blessed. Um, they, they got, they <laughs>
0: got a good loan, <laughs> too. A good loan. If you need financing. See my dad.
2: <laughs> That's great. Um, but they got a beautiful home. Now my heart's response to their blessing tells me where my heart is.
0: As long as you invite us over to swim in that pool, we will honor you. <laughs> but if not, we will envy, and jealously. I'm just kidding.
2: But how our heart responds to somebody else's blessing tells us where our heart is. Are we responding with envy and jealousy? Then we have a spirit of poverty. Break it over your life and be encouraging and love them and bless them and be glad for them. If I'm happy for them, my heart tells me my heart is ready for a blessing for myself. My heart's response to other people's blessing tells me where my heart is.
0: They earned it too. They work hard. Man doesn't work, he doesn't eat, right? A lot of people want a handout, but they need a hand up to learn the spirit that God puts in us, the ability to, to prosper, to make wealth and to be a blessing, right? I mean, Shane puts his life on the line. Everybody knows what it is for a living. I think almost everybody, right? He's a secret service agent. He protects the president. And I'm the president. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's a police officer, and Kemi works hard. She does she's one of the she runs one of the, uh, the the police stations, right? Pretty much you tell all them police what to do. <laughs> tell them all what to do. And then you get home and keep telling the police what to do, huh? <laughs> 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 but they work hard. A lot of people are like that's just they work. They sow. They reap, they sow, and they give. And some people that are blessed with the gift of giving and God blesses them and open door. We're talking to our uh, contractor and he says, you know, when, when, I, when I give churches a really good deal or I just do things and I sew and, and whatever he, his company makes, he ties back to the church. But he says, every time I do what God tells me to do, I get like 10 other construction jobs. Just like that. And, and God does that. God blesses us. But we've got to repent from that spirit of poverty. And that handout mentality, because the spirit of entitlement will just feed the poverty spirit. What's the old proverb say? Not the proverb in the Bible. Teach it or you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach him to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. We've got to teach people that you have so much potential to begin to rise up. Can I tell that testimony? Uh, Richie, can I tell your testimony? You, you just got a job, didn't you? He's been looking for, he's been looking for how long? A few months? few months looking for a job. The enemy tried to discourage him through it. I said, listen, man, I gave him a testimony. I said, a friend of mine that, that pastors the church, every time his people need a job, he says, just serve in the house of God. You honor God's house. He'll honor yours. And I said, serve. I bet you within a couple of weeks, you'll have a job. He calls me a week after that. They're, we're in here hanging out. We're doing devos or something or hanging out. And they're like, PZ, we want to clean the church. And I forget all who was here. I think it was you and Cody and Cecil, and I don't know if Michael was here. And so they just start cleaning the church. They just want to serve. They just want to serve. And he remembered what I said you honor God's house, he'll honor yours. He called me a week after that day, and he says, PZ, I got a job. It has benefits. And he's just going on about God's blessing on his life. Come on. God is good. What a testimony. So there are some practical steps to obedience. We need to be good stewards. We've got a budget. Um, we can't be excessive. We have to break our, the mindsets that we have. Uh, I want to I close with this, that I want you both to define giving from your own personal heart. And, and I think this is, this is what we want to hone in on because I think that we don't realize, and we're going to talk about this, what giving really is. We don't realize sometimes what giving is. A lot of times, and that's why Paul said, "Don't give grudgingly, but give cheerfully." God loves a cheerful giver, and and there's something about our heart condition. And this, I think, this is the culmination of what we're talking about. Um, what what is giving? Help us define giving so that we can keep our hearts in the right place.
2: You want me to go first? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, When I, when I come into God's house, I come ready to just worship because I love his presence. How many love the presence of God and we love, and what God is doing in this house, what God is doing in this place is so good, but I love God's presence. I love worship. I love praying for people. I love seeing captive people set free. I love seeing the bonds of wickedness being broken. I love seeing chains of addiction being broken. I love seeing captive people set free. I love seeing burdens being lifted. I love those things because they're manifestations of the presence of God. Because where his presence is, there's all fullness of grace and joy and peace. And all the things that are great happen in his presence. And I think sometimes we stop right there. We just stop. And then worship ends and we're done worshiping. Um, but we're not, that's, that's worship continues because worship comes out of a place of everything. I am is his, all I am is his, my kids, they belong to the Lord. My marriage belongs to the Lord. My relationship belongs to the Lord. My identity is found in the Lord. And all of my finances and all of the money in my pocket belongs to God, too. It's all worship. It's all worship. And when we understand that principle, he can bless us with more. We have entrepreneurs in this church. We've got business people in this church and God wants to bless you with wealth. And if that offends you, you have a poverty spirit, but God wants to bless his people with wealth. Amen. Because he wants you to be a blessing to the earth because he wants us to be the bride that radiates his glory. And he wants us to be the ones that rise up in victory. And if we don't get it right, the world will never get it right. So if he he wants you to bless, he wants to bless you with wealth. And he says, I'm going to bless the ones that I can count on to steward the blessing. And I want to be a steward of his grace. The same way that he blesses me with a spiritual gift. He blesses me with an ability I have a heart for women. I have a heart for broken women. And I just have this and it's from the Lord, but I'm not going to discredit or discount who I am. I have this grace on my life that I can go to a woman and I can pray with her and something happens in her heart and God sets her free. God's giving me that grace. What happens if tomorrow if I stop praying for women? I'm blocking his favor. Okay, now if God blesses me with wealth and I stop giving, I'm blocking the favor and I'm stopping what God wants to do in me. I'm putting a lid on tithing and giving and, and, and being good stewards opens up the lid for him to pour out the blessing. You see it in any spiritual gift. see it in any spiritual thing. And we often stop because we, we separate the spiritual and the natural when it's so together. I'm not three different parts of a person. I'm a person. I have three different expressions, but I'm one person. I cannot separate my body. I cannot separate my spirit from my soul or I would be nothing. I'd be dead, right? If I separated my soul and my body. The same way we cannot separate the spiritual and the natural. They go together. They run together. You can't separate them. So that's what it is to me. It's worship. It's who I am.
0: That's good.
1: That's that's really that's very good. I I think personally for me giving really is two things. It it sets a a barometer in my life to where my heart is with God. You know, and I want to make that distinction. We use that term a lot as a definer, a barometer, but my giving is not a thermometer. A thermometer tells you what temperature it is now because of what's going on now. If I step outside and it's hot, it's telling me now. Barometer, barometric change is the pressure in the atmosphere, and it will change for what's coming. It gets low, it gets high, then the weather change comes, and it is the predictor of what is to come. And so giving is my barometer of where my heart is in spiritual matters. It is a thing that literally, if I have, you know, I used this term earlier. If, I, if I'm giving or there's an opportunity to give or something arises and I wince at it inside, my heart winces like, mm. that's a barometer over where my heart's at spiritually. Because money is tied to our hearts. God doesn't need our money. I mean, come on. He doesn't need gold and money. He could care less. That's not the point. He wants our heart. When the heart is right, then it can flow through you. I use this. This is a great analogy to put things in perspective for me. There's a house over there in Seven Hills that was built by, I don't even know who the guy's name is, but the owner or the founder or whatever of eBay. It's 58,000 square feet. It's stupid. You see it from the air, and it's like, I mean, the pool, the outline of the pool is twice the size of most people's houses. But this is what I use to keep things in perspective. What happens if that guy who built that house up says, hey, I want you, Shane, I'd like you to come live in this house, drive any one of the cars in the garage, eat anything you want. And by the way, it will always be replenished. You'll never have to pay a bill. Is
0: there a Ferrari in the garage?
1: (laughs) Anything you want, and it's all taken care of all the time. And you're like, cool, is there a cat? And there's, I just, just take care of it. When I come to stay and visit, I want it to be in pristine shape, but you have use, full use of it all. And you go and you're living there and life's good. And you get a call from him in six months. He goes, Hey, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a portion all the way to the end of the garage in there. And I got a gentleman coming by today. I want you to just give it to him. Okay, fine. It's not mine anyway. It's yours. That should be our heart with the father.
0: Great word. You know, I, I want to, um, we're going to close with this. Giving is, is part of worship. A lot of us come to church ready to worship. We love dancing and shouting and, and all that stuff. And then when it comes time to giving, we, uh, well, no, but we worship the Lord with our giving and it's a heart of worship. It co- It should come from that place. I had to repent personally. Um, some of you heard, have heard me share this, that there was a time where because the church, I didn't see the church reaching people or functioning the way she should. I started bride bashing and I had to repent from that. And I, I w- what you shared Rochelle really struck something in my heart. Cause I remember being a part of a church that would spend a lot of time on offering and all that stuff. And, and I, and I would um, every Sunday. I mean, it was every Sunday. And I, and I, would, I would still give. And, and God blessed me. But there came a point where I kind of got bitter. And I'm like, you know what? You know, that, I'm, I'm just, I was a little bitter at, at the church. But how many know, and we were talking about this earlier, like if we're just obedient and our heart's right, God's going to bless us. And if somebody, uh, you know, if, if somebody you know, is not doing what God has told them to do, over their finances, they're going to be held accountable to God. But I got to do what God's told me to do. So let's make those adjustments in our hearts and let's take the limits off and think, I mean, I I love what you said first service, Pastor Shane, when you said, how many of you, when I said, I want to live off 10% and give 90, you thought for a moment, that's not even possible. It is possible because we serve an amazing God. And he wants us to think that way so that we can be a blessing to the nations. I'm, I'm going to say this last thing. We we're ministering on the strip uh, last Tuesday and we're prophesying to people. There's this guy with a guitar. His name is Wesley. God shows us where uh, a place that he used to live geographically, the Grand Canyon of all places, and, and the Lord began to say to this guy, he's going to give you the peace you had when you lived there. And you just looked in, in that serenity. And the guy was like, you know, just like, how did you know that? It, it was the Holy Spirit. We're prophesying to this guy. Chris is prophesying over people. We're praying over people. And uh, there's these two ladies. We begin to minister to them. And these two ladies are sitting there, they're sisters. And they have this cat with sunglasses on. And people come up and they throw them a dollar. And you know, it's just, it's funny. They're just you know, soliciting for money and, but we come over there and we start ministering to them. And the Lord begins to heal this lady. Um, some of our teams praying and, and she healed, her hip gets healed. We pray over her. And, uh, and as we're there, we noticed Laris noticed it. And I believe Chris also, and, and some others that were with us when we were talking to this other guy, a little ways away, there was nobody really paying attention to these ladies. We came up and we prayed over him. And as we're doing it, like we'll be ministering to one sister, the other one sitting there with the cat, all these people start coming up and giving them money. And instantly I had this picture of God, you have called us to be a blessing to the nations. Do you remember what happened when the Ark of the Covenant was stolen and it was bringing judgment on the Philistines? So they said, we don't want this thing. And it was at the house of Do you Who remembers that story? What happened at the house of Obadiah? Just because God's presence was there, it was blessed, it prospered. We are the Ark of the Covenant. And where we go, we should just spread the blessings of the Lord to bring favor and grace upon people. Like we can walk up to someone, you need a job, you've been struggling, guess what, God wants to provide for you. And we just give them some favor. We just release some grace over their life. Like God has called us to be a blessing to the nations. And I just feel like it's important that we understand that concept, but also let's let's turn our hearts to the place of worship that God is. I love what you guys both shared. It's all yours. I love the analogy about the house. I, I want someone to come up to me and, and say that to me. And I want there to be a Ferrari in there and some other cars that I get to drive and I will drive them all. It's probably not going to happen, but whatever. But I don't want the payment. I will not own a Ferrari. But we're stewards. That's, we're stewards of this planet. We're stewards of our body. Like, we need to take care of our bodies. We need to eat right. We need to exercise. Amen. Come on, somebody. We need to take care of our temple. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But let's arise as one, and let's learn to be good stewards and get our hearts right. How many would agree with me and say, let's do it? Let's just, let's learn to, and I know there's faithful givers. We, We thank you for your gift of giving, but some of you are still learning that. Maybe you're just starting to walk with the Lord. I, I'm going to brag on one of my spiritual sons, Laris. Um, he was looking for a job. He began to serve in the house of the Lord. God blessed him full-time job. We we're helping him with his budget and we're asking him, okay, so you give your tithe. He's like, no, actually I give more than 10%. And I'm just like, what a, what a blessing just to see him go above and beyond of his gratitude to the Lord. And and he, how long have you been saved? Laris? four years, three years just a little over three years, right? A little after Easter of the first year we started the church in the elementary school or in youth. Did you get saved in youth? What happened? You just start crying? (laughs) I'm just joking with you. I'm just putting you on the spot. But what, what an awesome testimony that our young people, he's 21, he's been saved three years, and he's learning the value of giving. And doesn't it feel good to give to the Lord? Doesn't it feel good to have your bills paid? Doesn't it feel good to have a job? And it's like, God is good. And he blesses us. Why? So we can be a blessing. Doesn't it feel good to be a blessing? I, I'm going to brag also on my my dad because he's the most giving, hospitable. Those of you that know him know exactly what I'm talking about. The most giving person. Him and Sharon, They. I mean, they have a beautiful home, but they don't hoard it. They invite people over. If you need a place, Harold Everly loves staying with you guys when he comes. But all my life, you've been that way. And you're just a giver. You just give and you're blessed. And God's always blessed you. And you're an amazing entrepreneur. And I pray blessings over every business venture that you continue in, that the latter years of your life will be greater than the former. I pray just the glory of heaven and his blessing over your finances. As a matter of fact, I break every attack and I bind every assignment of the enemy, any curse that's ever been spoken against you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just speak blessings over my dad, blessings over Sharon. I thank you for supernatural provision. You you know what? He is such a giver. You guys have no idea how generous he is, not just in his finances, but his heart. He gives his heart. He loves people. And it's a heart thing. It's always a heart thing. It's always a heart thing. So let's just receive right now and say, Lord, I make those adjustments in my heart. And I just turn to you. And Lord, we thank you that your church is arising. And, and I believe that the Lord is about to just unleash financial blessings on the church, especially in a time of famine where the country is in disarray. And we're not sure what's going to happen in economics and all this. Let the church arise in her glory. And let the world say, look at her. She's beautiful and she's shining and she's blessed because we have a covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in Christ, Lord, you have grafted us in to be a blessing to the nations, to be a blessing to Henderson, to Las Vegas. Lord, we thank you that you're going to use us to change the crime rate in this city. We thank you that you're going to use us to break the spirit of poverty over this region, God. We thank you that you're going to use us to go into the projects and and get a drug dealer set free and turn him into a real entrepreneur where he's blessing other people and providing jobs and businesses growing, Lord. I thank you for what, what you've anointed us for and we want to do our part to give and we are reminded of the truth that it is worship to give to you. So we make that adjustment in our hearts. I want you to close your eyes. We're going to dismiss. I want you to love people before you go. But also, if the Lord is speaking to you, maybe you want to take that step and say, I want to start tithing. Maybe I'm not. Or maybe you just want to give an offering to the Lord. I want you to put on some worship, just anything. You don't have to put on that video. The buckets are up here. As we close, let us, let us just acknowledge what God is saying to us. And if those of you that feel like, you know what, I just want to shift my heart from giving. Maybe when I give at time of offering, I don't really give from a place of worship in my heart. And I want to do that. We're going to open up the altars for you to come give as you're dismissed. Lord, I speak a blessing of your people. And I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the midst of us, Lord. And we just love you and we honor you in Jesus' mighty name. Please love some people before you go. Give